Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dio was popping. Fresh back from Cousin Palooza 5.0. Did you get ratchet? Who got drunk and threw up in the pond? No one threw up in the pond. I don't think anyone even threw up. Now that you guys didn't go hard enough, weak shit. But I can tell you this, I weighed in, true story, 14 pounds heavier than when I left. You gained 14 pounds? That's, in five days. That's not 14, possible. yeah, I'm sure most of it's water weight. I'm sure all the sodium and alcohol. Dude, I was eating bags of chips and fistfuls pounds? of cookies and pizza and brats and hamburgers and pasta. I was sucking down Vizzies and White Claws as if my name was Karen. Them shits give me heartburn. I can't drink those drinks. Oh, margaritas, IPAs. I even have it a phenomenal, believe it or not, non-alcoholic beer. What, a Zima, you loser? Zima's alcoholic, by the way, and no, it's, it's not, not a beer. It's a malt liquor. Zima? Zima, yes. That's like the first thing I ever got drunk on oh, was Zima. Oh, shit. Hold on, do yes. they still sell those? No, but no, there's... um. <laughs> Oh, gosh, is it called Grow, Go, Go Brewing? It's out of Chicago, like in the Naperville, Illinois area. Okay. Uh, my cousin Aaron works there, so shout out to Aaron Cash. And um, they make sick IPAs. Yeah, like, like they make legit, great tasting, yet non-alcoholic beer. That's no yeah, point. So There's we, no point. Uh, if you're a pregnant lady trying to play Flip Cup with the rest of the family... You're playing beer pong and you're six months pregnant? Yeah, we're going to put a little non-alcoholic beer in that one. You know, it's interesting. You can have wine as a pregnant woman? You can. A glass out here. I mean, it's back in the 50s and 70s. Nah. They did whatever they wanted to. Yeah. Smoked a carton of cigarettes. Yeah, it turned out fine Benson out. Benson and Hinges. Yeah, 105 was the secret to living. A gallon of whiskey and cigarettes. Yeah. No, the kids. This was the first year the kids showed up. We had uh, the twins. They're both 22 recent college grads. Mm-hmm. And in order to be invited to Cousin Palooza, you have to be 21 and up. up. Yep. And they showed up with both their girlfriends, and they were the earliest to bed er night. Er uh, night. Kids, man, they can't hang with Yeah, the they're getting out kicked by like 40 and 50 year olds, and they're guys, 22. The old people waited their whole, not year, the whole year for this so they could be irresponsible. Two years. We only do it every two years. Oh, it's, yeah. That's right. And they want to talk mad shit about like not playing beer pong with all these crazy new rules. Oh, you don't know the slap your wrist, do a backflip, ring around the rosy. I'm like, what are you talking about? Just no blowing. That's the only. That's she the was only like, rule. did you not go to college? I said I did about yeah. 22 years ago, Before and I also born. I also lived at home with mom and dad and worked full time, sweetheart. So yeah, I didn't have time just to turn to sit around and play beer pong and. Flippy Cup. That's what Cousin Palooza's for. Right. So anyhow, I'm back. I'm back with a vengeance. Uh, we're going to lay down some some episodes. I'm getting really excited for TLOP Online 2.0 to be launched, John. Mm, yeah. By the time this is launched, will you have version 2 of the website launched? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? No, because this goes out on Tuesday. This goes out on Friday? No, no. This goes out on next Tuesday. Well, when are you going have the website launched? Well, you said by next Tuesday. Well, I, I want it I done said, by yeah, the end of the month. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, y'all, check out the website today, and then go check it out again <laughs> in a week. It'll be different. Yes, this is for our <laughs> mortgage loan originators. This website is for you. Mm-hmm. Branch manager in a box, check it out. TLOPonline.com, chock full of resources for loan officers. Yes. 
Shout out to our friends at Rosegate Mortgage, Rosegate Mortgage, United Wholesale, Urban Young Insurance. We are heading up to Charlotte, North Carolina on the 24th of August. Check us out. It's a free event for loan officers. It is a half-day sales mastermind. I will be speaking. There's a sales coach coming down from United Wholesale. He will be speaking. My buddy Brett Young, Shout who is crazy Young. great at motivational speaking. Brett's going to be coming in. We're going to have a great time. We're going to do this in the afternoon on August 24th. And your flight and my flight have been booked. I know. It's official I now. I had to you know, make some quick corrections. It's a, yeah, they're trying to get us to fly Spirit and Frontier. Bro, not going to happen. a quick way to just not show up at all. Not going to happen. Nope. Uh, but today's episode, John, let's yeah. jump right into it because okay. we're going to talk specifically to home buyers, to current homeowners, to the realtors who sell homes, to people who are looking to buy homes, and to the loan originators who finance said homes. Okay. Like most of our episodes, today's episode is going to be content to be made to educate and entertain about 85% of the American populace. Okay. Let's jump at it. Let's do it. You're going to title this what? What's ChatGPT oh, going to take oh, a title this? this? A human made this title. That's why it's boring and won't get no traction. Uh, understanding home equity? Yes. <laughs> yes. Something along the lines of, I wanted to talk about home equity in general, as well as I want to geek out a little bit about home, equ home equity. What is it? Mm -hmm. What's the difference between like the money you started with versus the money you earned? Like how much money did you actually make on your home when you sold it? Mm -hmm. Typically, it's less than what you thought. And where could having too much home equity be a bad thing? Where could starting off with too much home equity be a bad thing? Where could having a bunch of home equity be a great thing? And what are ways that people, typically wealthy people, leverage home equity? So we're going to start very basic. What is home equity? It is how much your home is worth minus how much you owe. The difference is your home's equity. Think of your home's equity as a piggy bank that's impossible to break unless you just or impossible to open unless you broke the piggy bank but inside of the piggy bank is a lot of money or sometimes i tell people think of home equity as if you got one of those like little bobcats like the little mini mm -hmm. excavators you dug a hole in your backyard and you dumped 10 50 100 or 500 thousand dollars of dollar bills and coins mm -hmm. And then you covered it up and then you've poured a basketball slab mm. over it. That's your home's equity. Your home's equity is essentially your money. That is sometimes difficult to access because sometimes you can only access that equity, that money. If you either sell the property, which that could be expensive, that could take time. Or if you go and obtain a loan, against your home, whether it's a second mortgage, whether it's a refinance of a new mortgage, at which point there's still barriers of entry into that loan, meaning you have to qualify. Mm -hmm. You still have to be able to have a certain credit score, a certain debt to income ratio, certain job history, certain provable income, et cetera. But that is your home's equity. And then you start thinking about, well, what are some things that we can do with home equity in order to leverage ourselves in order to make ourselves more financially sound? Or how can we leverage our home's equity in order to live a more fiscally prudent lifestyle? Or even a, a lifestyle that makes you just sleep better at night? What are some common mistakes people make with their home's equity? 
And what are some things that people should be leveraging or looking into? And maybe they're not, at which point we would call that an opportunity cost. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the direction we're going to be taking this particular episode. So I'm going to start with the difference between what you make on a home is like in terms of profit, right? Think about yourself, John, you're buying a house and mm -hmm. you're like, oh, well, when I sold my house, I made a hundred grand. hundred racks. I'm like, well, did you make a hundred grand? Probably not. No, probably not because you started with a down payment. Mm -hmm. So you may have started with a $25,000 down payment because maybe you bought your house 10 years ago for $250,000. So of that hundred grand that you're receiving at closing, 25,000 of it, that was your own money. You're just getting it back. That 25 grand sat in your home as equity. It didn't earn you anything. Almost like a safety deposit that you get back after 15 years of living in the house. Yeah, Security you, deposit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, you weren't able to go and reinvest that money. Now, someone can make the argument, but that money wasn't costing you interest. Sure, right? By putting that money down, you qualified for your home loan and you weren't paying interest on that $25,000. But the count of that would be that 25 grand also wasn't working for you. There's an investment term called arbitrage, we'll jump into that later. But arbitrage is essentially the difference between what you're paying in interest and what you're earning in interest, right? That's what if you're paying 4%, but you're making 8%. You may have had an opportunity cost with having all that equity in your home. But nonetheless, so many times people forget what is the difference between like what they profited or made in their home and and what they actually did because they see themselves getting a check for 100 grand after living in the home for 11 or 12 years but really some of that money was their own money no different than every time you pay your mortgage part of your payment is going towards equity it's principal payoff so every single month part of your mortgage payment you are paying down your loan which means you're depositing more money into that hole in your backyard well, that's phenomenal. That's a forced savings. When you are renting, no part of your rent is going into that forced savings. So when we're talking to people about why homeownership's beneficial, well, one of the biggest reasons why it's beneficial, it forces you to save $200, $300, $500, $600 a month because part of that payment is going towards paying down your loan. Part of that payment is now going to be equity into your home. But when people start making extra payments to pay their loan down quicker, that's where we have to stop them and say, well, is that the highest and best use of that money? To some people, the answer could be yes, but to many, the answer is no. So the first, if I had like a ding, ding, ding moment for this episode, and I was trying to pinpoint where people misuse their home, their home's equity, it would be the misuse would be y'all are putting too much money into your home and not in other places. If you had an extra 200 to $300 a month to pay down your mortgage, I don't know if that's the highest and best use. You're basically taking that two or $300 and you're burying it in your backyard. Yes, you're going to shave years off of your mortgage. So yes, there's going to be some interest savings, but is there an opportunity cost? Meaning if life throws you a curveball and you don't have six months reserved, but you have all of this money in, in your home, how accessible is that money? Maybe it would have been better for that person not to be paying down their home loan and they should have been getting six months reserve. Or instead of putting that extra two or $300 towards paying down their loan, i.e. More, more equity into their house, should they have been contributing to their 401k because maybe their employer matches 50 cents on every dollar that they put in. So $200 saved a month is really 300. Mm -hmm. 
Well, over a year's time, that's a massive opportunity cost if someone was choosing to put their extra money somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So that would be a big warning to people who are paying extra towards their mortgage. I would advise you not to do it until you've already had your six months reserved, you're maxing out your 401k. By maxing out to me, it doesn't mean you're putting in the full 19,500 or $20,000, whatever the current IRS limit is right now. Maxing out to me means you're putting in the most amount that your company still matches. But then I would say the same thing. What about an IRA, especially if it's a Roth IRA and you're married and a Roth IRA allows, I don't know, six or $6,500 per person. Could that money be better spent there? Yes, your mortgage rate may be 4% or 6% or 6.5%, but if you put it into a retirement vehicle that maybe on average earns you 8 to 9%, you're picking up some arbitrage there, right? So these are things that people should be considering, or you're paying down your home that may have the lowest interest rate, but you still have a $20,000 Amex bill that's sitting at 13.99%. Why are you not paying that down? So when I look at home equity, and I think about how home equity is actually created, it is created by first, how much money did you put down when you bought the home? That was instant equity you put in. It's also created when you pay your mortgage every single month and part of your mortgage is principal reduction. And the third way it is created through appreciation. But in terms of profit, please don't misconstrue equity in your home as profit. Profit is essentially what did I buy the home for versus what did I pay it for? Period, end of story. If you ever want to figure out how much money did I make on my house, you cannot factor in all of your home's equity because part of the equity was your own money that you were dumping into your home versus putting that money elsewhere. But profit, yes, profit's pretty simple. I bought the home 10 years ago for 250. I'm selling it today for 500. Cool. I made $250,000, but that was a gross because you had closing costs to buy the home. You had closing costs to sell the home. So if I truly wanted to figure out what my profit was, quote unquote, I'd have to back out my closing cost to purchase, my closing cost to, to buy. And then maybe I'd even want to factor in what did I spend in upgrades and, and maintenance over the past 10 or 12 years I owned the property. Mm -hmm. So I ask anyone who's willing to listen, do not misconstrue equity with profit. Because profit, if you truly want to look at profit, it's a much different mathematical formula than equity. Today we're talking about equity. So we're talking about ways that you can use your equity because one of the greatest things that comes from the greatest benefits, I hate the word things, the greatest benefits that comes with purchasing real estate is equity. That's why we do it. Equity is how we generate wealth. Homeownership is how we become the wealthiest versus non-homeowners. Like why are homeowners so much more wealthy than non? Has less to do with how much money is in their savings account less to do with how much money is in their 401k, less to do with how much money is in their IRA, has everything to do with you purchased a home, you've been contributing forced through principal reduction, X hundreds of dollars per month to paying down a loan while your home has been going up in value on average by 3% per year, right? On a $250,000 purchase, that's $7,500. But as your home goes up in value, now it's not 3% 3, 3 of 250, it could be 3% of 300. Oh, there's nine grand. 3% of 400 is 12 grand. Oh, wow, the longer I own this home, the more equity I put into it by paying down my loan and the more equity that builds up just by my home on average appreciating by 3% per year. That's where that compound interest comes into play. Then if you really wanna like brain F yourself, what if you're able to get into that home with only like 35 grand out of your pocket? 
Maybe it was $25,000 down payment, 10 grand for closing costs. But in the first year, you made $7,500 in appreciation on a $35,000 investment. Holy cow, that's a great rate of return. And then every single year, you're going to be picking up another 3%, another 3%, another 3% on that initial investment of 35 grand, plus whatever money you have to put into the home in terms of annual maintenance. So here's where I find people have an opportunity to leverage their home's equity. And this does not apply to everybody. And there are ways that you can abuse this strategy. But I think not enough people fully look at their home's equity the, the way that they should. I think you should look at it as just another investment account. I have multiple banking financial accounts. I have my savings account. That's where I save for things like cruises and new furniture. I have my money market account. That's where I keep six months of my lifestyle for all things in reserve. Six months. Everything that I spend money on, I have six months of that in a money market account and I have my checking account. That's the thing that I draw down to zero twice a month every single every, month. Oh, that's me too. And yep, on the 15th and 30th. That's how my, my budget is set up. I have my 401k. I have my IRA. I have a stock account. That's my fun account. That's where I get to like legally gamble, purchase stocks. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm no good at it, but I have fun. And then I have my home's equity. Well, my home's equity, I should treat as an asset. It's just another asset. If there is an opportunity for me to, I don't know, pay for a surgery that one of my children needed that insurance doesn't cover and it's very important, I should look at my home's equity the same way I would look at my 401k or my IRA, the same way I would look at my six-month reserve account. If I was in a bind and I had racked up some negative credit card debt, I had only one car and it just broke down and I couldn't necessarily afford a new car payment, I could look at my home's equity as a way to help me get out of that sticky situation and right the ship. Believe it or not, there's a lot of people out there who don't have any assets to their name, but they have a home with a ton of equity in it. I have a question for you. Yes. What's the typical timeline turnaround? Like, I want equity out of my house today. What if I started the process? How quickly could I get it out of my home? You could go get equity out of your home if you qualify within a couple of weeks with a home equity line of credit from your local bank or credit union. Or it could take you 60 days to go get a home loan, a refinance, or a brand new mortgage to either pay off whatever existing lien you have, pay your closing costs, and give you some cash. But you have to qualify. Mm. But you have to qualify. And you know something that I see people do really well with their home's equity is maybe they made five financial decisions over the past 10 years. Only one of those worked out. The one they worked out was buying a house. They bought a house five years ago. In the past five years, home values have gone up over 50% in most markets. They've made every payment on time. They've been paying down their loan. So now instead of owing $300,000 on their house, they now owe $270,000. Instead of their house being worth $300,000, their house is now worth $500,000. But maybe he was laid off. He started his own business. It took a year or two to get the business off the ground. And along the lines, they didn't change their lifestyle. And they racked up 60, 70 grand in, in, in debt. Let's go. And that 60 or 70 grand has now lowered his credit score from a 820 down to a 660. Mm. And oh, by the way, they just had baby number three. 
and baby number three, there are some complications. Good news is mom and baby are good now, but there's about $20,000 in, in hospital bills <clears throat> that weren't covered. And the family car is on its last leg. Someone in that situation, and oh, by the way, they don't have any money in, in the reserve account. They've blown through it because he started his own business. And now when something goes wrong, their only answer is to go out and put it back on a credit card. And they're playing that game. They could look at their home's equity as a way to hit a reset button. Oh my gosh, are you saying that I could go and obtain either a cash out refinance or a home equity loan? And I could pay off the $60,000 in credit card debt, take out $30,000 to go buy a really a, a decent certified pre-owned vehicle. Oh my God, that'd be a lifesaver. And what would that do to my mortgage payment? I'm like, well, roughly your mortgage payment would go up by 300 bucks a month. Just one of the credit cards minimum payment was 300 bucks a month. And they had four of them. They were paying 1200 bucks a month in, in a minimum credit card payments. Plus they needed a new car, which is going to be a four to $600 a month payment. So yes, by pulling their own money, by the way, it's equity, your own money out of your home and then redistributing that wealth to pay off some negative debt to purchase a car that the family needs. Yes, that is a great use of equity. And while you're doing it, may I suggest that maybe you pull out enough money to have six months reserve. So now that next time life throws you a curveball, you're not going to credit cards, you're going to your own money market account, you're borrowing against that, and then you're paying yourself back interest-free until you get back up to six months reserve. And I don't know where you stand with wanting to pay for your children's college education, but maybe you can pull out enough money that you could start a 529, maybe start an IRA, do some things financially. Maybe you had some deferred maintenance on your house, and if you don't fix it now, it's going to become a bigger problem down the road when it, when it starts to steamroll. These are ways that people can leverage this equity because it's their money in order to better their situation. But at the converse side of things, people could really abuse it, right? They could start using their home's equity as an ATM machine. And that's the last yeah, thing. Yeah, that's do. what I would do. Why not? If I, so if I got to pay myself back, can I do it like as long as I want with no interest? I can just like, you know, like you said, I have to pay myself back because it's a loan, but like it. How, what's the no, term? no, no, no. You're you're paying the bank gave you a loan. They mm. used your home as collateral. No, you're paying interest on that. Damn. Yeah, you're paying interest. But what what I'm suggesting people do is they look at their home's equity as what it is. It's just another account. It's another asset. Too many people I find look at it as if it's the holy grail. Oh, we don't touch that. Oh, I'm not touching that. That's my home. Do people like open a HELOC and just let the money sit there and don't ever use it? Oh my God, John. Oh my God, I, I could I could pay you a twenty dollar bill for Give asking that question. Give me one, please. <laughs> no, but um, because that's what I yeah, would do. Let me circle back to okay. that thought, because what I wanted to, to suggest, because I'm going to get some naysayers. Oh, Do, you're telling people to use their AT, their homes as ATMs. No, I'm not. What I'm suggesting to people is that there are times in life, maybe once or twice total, that you look at your financial situation and the only money you have is in your home's equity and you're not in a good financial position. Mm -hmm. You've made some, some decisions that didn't work out in your favor or that were just plain piss poor. What I'm saying is that if you did the one good thing, which was purchase a home, you could use your home as a way to hit a reset button and you could look at obtaining a new loan, pulling some of that equity out via a cash out refinance, pay off the bad decisions, Set yourself up with some six months reserves, maybe even take out enough money to purchase the family, a new family vehicle, 
maybe take out enough money that you could do some of the deferred maintenance around the house so that you can protect this asset and so that it doesn't become uh, a bigger issue over time. And yes, by doing so, you could also get along with your spouse better, sleep better at night because you just took the biggest burden your family experienced, which was a car that was breaking down, which was $1,200 a month and minimum credit card payments, which was a house that was starting to deteriorate and you weren't fixing up and not having reserve assets. And with a couple clicks of a button and a couple phone calls, yes, your mortgage payment is now higher by 600 bucks a month, but look at everything you accomplished with that. You now have some of that equity sitting on the sidelines so you don't have to go get a, a loan the next time. Because maybe the next time you won't qualify and now you, you have the car and your house does have deferred maintenance and you pay off the credit cards. These are ways that people can leverage their home's equity. Just like my last example of things that I see people doing correctly, I think too many people that have a couple extra hundred dollars focus too much on paying down their mortgage and not enough on the essentials. Am I maxing out my 401k? Am I maxing out an IRA? Do I have six months reserve? Because that's how you build wealth you're already paying down your loan and your home's already going up in value. The equity is already taking care of itself. You don't need any more equity generation or equity growth. What you need is to diversify. I'm saying if you have the means to pay down your, your loan, don't. If you, have the, if you have that extra money, there's other places to diversify because you're already building equity. And then what I'm warning against is those people who hit the reset button once, great. Don't make a habit out of it. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from the decisions that didn't work out in your favor and don't get in the habit of consistently wanting to go back to your house and pull out equity because now you want to buy that badass boat. Hell yeah. And, and now you want to buy another property that maybe you can't or can't afford. Now you want to take that cruise, right? Now, by the way, if you do want to buy another property and you are financially sound and you're fiscally responsible and you're sitting on a home that has piles of equity, by all means, why would you not want to transfer the equity from one property to the next? That's all you're doing. Don't go cashing in your stock and having a taxable event. Don't go borrowing from your 401k. Look at your current house. Pull the equity from one house and leverage it into the purchase of another house. You still have equity in homes. The difference is instead of having 50 grand in one house and 250 in the other, you now may have 150 grand in one and 150 grand in the other. It's still $300,000. What you didn't have to do though is go cash in a bunch of stock or borrow against a 401k, both of which could be taxable events or could be not the smartest and highest and best use of your money. Then now to answer your question, John, yes. Advice I received as a young professional homeowner who was finally getting my bearings under underway as it pertains to personal finance. Yes, you should have a home equity line of credit on your house, even if you don't use it. Just leave it open. And leave it open. Yeah, there's enough banks and credit unions that should be able to open up a twenty-five dollars or $50,000 home equity line of credit for you and not necessarily require you to draw on it or not have a like non-usage fee, or even if they do have a non-usage fee, maybe it's a couple hundred bucks a year. Yes, that is a very savvy financial strategy. Now, look, in order to get a home equity line of credit, you have to have equity. Like, don't go buying your house today, getting a $10,000 down payment assistance, and then expecting to go out and get a home equity line of credit. No, you need to have 10, 20, 30% equity in your home before you even start considering tapping into the home, into your home's equity. So someone who just bought their house in the past 12 months 
probably, unless they put a boatload of money down, they don't have sufficient equity. But if you bought your house in 2018 and 2020, or anytime before 2018, odds are you have a boatload of equity. Some of you may never have to touch it. Kudos to you, right? You were able to buy your house. You put your 10 or 20% down. You're maxing out your 401k. You got your six months reserve. You got an IRA. Hell, you may even have money in the stock market and you have a whole life insurance policy. For those people, you're freaking winning. Those people also make up less than 2% of the American populace. So for most people, I'm going to ask you, are you leveraging your home's equity in the best manner? I have a question for you. How can you leverage it in the wrong way? Using it as an ATM machine. And like, so there's no like guide, there's no checks and balances. Like once I get approved the heal, like I got like the deposit, like no one's checking like, hey, you can't spend your money on that. You can't, I could do whatever I want. Now I'm not a um, financial advisor. A financial advisor. You just play one. And there may very well be rules that state how I can and can't pull equity out of my house and use that as an investment. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not. Um, and my understanding is there probably are rules All that right. prevent that. Now, if I pulled money out of my home, and I had it sitting in my savings account. Is there like a seasoning requirement? Like if that money had been in that account for six or 12 months, is the SEC ever going to really know? Mm. I have no idea. Not my role. I don't try to play that. That's where you need to consult with a true certified financial advisor type person, right? But um, no, once you pull the money out, you can, here are things people use it for. Kids braces, Construct, reconstructive surgery, Facelift, mm -hmm. tummy tuck, yep. boob job, yeah. ass implants, mm -hmm. starting a new business, funding kids' education, doing a home remodel project, consolidating debt, gambling it all the way. Does that? That's a terrible decision. But you should people, never do but that. people, like that's what I'm saying. Like, can you? Yeah, I mean, look. At the end of the day. People make terrible decisions. And then what happens? So like, oh, I gambled away. You just have a whole, and you have to pay that back, right? Yes, you now owe money. Like this is, and many times a HELOC is a second mortgage, or you're going out and obtaining a new loan where, where we're going to pay off your current loan mm. and give you a bigger loan. So now you owe more money. Now, both times when you do it, you should always keep 10 to 30% equity in your home. So you're not tapping it out at 100%. Oh, okay. That, okay. So you're not, you're not tapping out. Oh shit. My home's worth 500 grand. Give me, me five, 500. Okay. No, normally it's like, Hey, your home's worth 500 grand. We're going to give you 400. We're going to minus out what you already owe. Maybe it's 300. Here's a hundred grand. Gotcha. So you have a, and, and I like that. That means cool. I still have a hundred grand of equity. So if I'm thinking about diversifying myself, there's still a hundred grand there. Now I have a hundred grand to go do with what I please. Mm. And it may be braces, maybe boob jobs. It may be consolidating debt, meaning paying off credit right. cards. It may mean buying that third vehicle that my family desires. You don't need it, but you desire it. It could be buying the car that we have to have. Right. It's a, 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 a plethora yeah. of, of opportunities. People just have to understand it's there. Where it becomes burdensome is when that becomes habitual. When people don't change their habits. It's the whole nothing changes if nothing changes. Yes, if every three years you're having to do another cash out refinance to pay off more debt that you racked up, listen, homeboy or homegirl, you're doing something wrong. Mm. You are spending more than you make. You either got to quit spending money, you need to go make more money, or do both. So you can choose the amount of HELOC. Like, hey, I know my home's worth five hundred. I got four hundred thousand dollars worth of equity. You can choose to only like take out like twenty k, and the next time maybe thirty k, and like fifty. There's, you know, what I mean, it's like a sliding scale like that, kind of. Well, you have to qualify. Let's start right, there. Okay. You do have to qualify for a loan, and you typically it's a line of credit. 
So you could get the line for a full 75,000, but only pull 20 grand on it. Mm. And then if you needed an extra 10 down the road, you could pull an extra 10. Mm. The cool thing about a line of credit is that you could pull the full 75 and then let's see whatever you invested in um, started to pay dividends. You invested in a new business. Mm -hmm. Two years down the line, the business is crushing it. So you paid down the line of credit. Now you owe zero. But nine months later, you had an opportunity to expand that business. You needed, you needed to leverage some cash. You could go to your HELOC, pull, pull the money off of your home equity line of credit, and use that to expand your business. So that's how the, the line of credit aspect works. Just understand you had to qualify to begin with. So if you had terrible credit, mm. you ain't got no job, mm -hmm. your D DTI, your debt-to-income ratio is too high, that may be difficult. That's why it's advisable for people to get a line of credit when they do qualify, even if they don't use it, because what happens when you go to need that money? Case in point, you get laid off from your job. For some people, getting laid off is the best thing that ever happened Hell to them. Oh, yeah. So you got laid off. That, that is giving you an opportunity to go flex your entrepreneurial spirit. However, if you're going at that point to try to get a HELOC and the bank says, hey, John, where do you work? Oh, I got a great idea. I'm opening my own business. Cool. Have you had owned the business for two years? Do no. you have two years of tax returns? No. Yeah, I'm not going to lend you this money. But why? Well, I, 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 I cannot guarantee that you're going to pay me back. But I, I promise and you. And I don't want to have to foreclose on you. Nope. So, yeah, you're like, crap. My financial advisor early on in my life when I owned a home and the home had equity, he says, the minute you have equity and the banks want to give you a line of credit, go and take one. Don't use it unless you have to. He said, don't use it unless you call me first. <laughs> but at least have it while you still qualify. But just know this about your equity line of credit. Banks can go through and be like, oh, I see you haven't used your line of credit. We're going to go ahead and cut the line by 50%. Or we're going to go ahead and cancel this line because you're not using it. So, you know, we're not here to really discuss that. And I want to just introduce people to, like, just the thoughts. Just this is what people who are in the know, this is what they're doing. No different than this. We had a show that we did a few months back on reverse mortgages. I love reverse mortgages because it shows the retirees how to take their biggest asset and leverage it to make sure that their quality of life is where it should be, what they've earned, what they have deserved, that they're able to live that lifestyle. So many retirees are dead ass broke and they're sitting on a pile of cash and they do nothing with that pile of cash because they can't access it. They don't have the right tools in place. For a lot of retirees, I love the reverse mortgage because it's a way for someone to come in and say, hey, John, I see you own this home. It's worth 600 grand. You owe nothing on it. You can't afford gas in your car. You can barely afford your association dues. Your house has a ton of deferred maintenance and you're buying the worst of generic brands for your food and you're never traveling to see your family or taking that cruise once a year that you dreamt of. A reverse mortgage would give that person the opportunity to leverage their home's equity, take out a bunch of money, let's say 300 grand if they owed 600. Now they can use that 300 grand to fix up the house. They can put that 300 grand into their bank account so they can live off of $2,000 extra a month. So now they're getting Social Security pension plus two grand a month and never have to make a payment. Like literally never have to make a payment. This is how people can leverage their home's equity and improve their quality of life. So equity is nothing more in my eyes as a pile of money 
just like my savings account is, my checking account is, my money market account is, my 401k, my IRA, etc. It's a pile of money that I can figure out based on strategy, how do I want to use it? And then I have to ask myself, if I have extra money every month, do I want to keep on dumping it into this hole in my backyard or do I want to put it somewhere else? If I put it somewhere else, and this is what I do, I put it somewhere else because I already know my home's going up in value. I already know I'm paying down my home loan. I'm generating equity on a monthly basis. I then want to put my money somewhere else where it's going to hopefully earn me interest at a greater rate than what I'm paying. That's what I'm going for. And most importantly, I'm putting it in places that are more liquid because the problem with homes equity, it's not that liquid. Liquid means my ability to get my hands on it. My check-in and savings account, it's liquid AF, always and forever. I can go to the ATM right now. I can show up to my local branch. I can pull money out. My stocks are fairly liquid, but I still have to like hop in, sell some stocks, wait for it to clear. It may take me 12 to 24 hours to access that money. My IRA and 401k, less liquid because of retirement accounts. There's rules and regulations and penalties I have to pay in order to access it. But if I wanted to, most times I could get, get access in three to five business days typically. My home's equity, sometimes the only way to access it is by selling the house. Sometimes that could take 90 to 120 days. That's where I get very cautious of just understanding how diversified am I when it comes to my assets. But my home is typically my largest asset. I should look at it that way and then make sure I'm leveraging that asset to allow me to live the best and most financially sound life that I can. And for some of you who are listening this far in, that asset needs to be leveraged. You just do. You got yourself in a little bit of trouble. Here's an opportunity for you to get yourself out of it, learn, and start living a much better life. Just think about what your days and nights would look like if you were saving $1,600 to $2,000 a month. Think about what type of stress you would no longer be under. People who currently are sitting on piles of equity but haven't addressed student loan debt, haven't addressed credit card debt, haven't addressed six months reserves, aren't properly saving for their 401k because they can't afford to, mm -hmm. haven't opened an IRA because they can't afford to, but the one thing they did really well was buy a house. Yeah, they should be highly considering leveraging that, that equity to eliminate monthly payments for credit cards and student loans, getting that paid off, taking that savings and now opening the, the 401k or contributing the 401k, at which point their employer's matching, putting money into an IRA and having six months reserve. And possibly if everything goes well, even having an extra 500 bucks a month that they can set aside so that they no longer go into credit card debt because there's a reason why they're going credit card debt. They were overspending. Well, now they have an extra $500 to add to their budget. And if they're really good, they dial back their budget. They only need 250 of that 500 and the extra 250 a month can go towards paying for a family cruise once a year. How cool would that be? Right? $3,000 vacation. You might not like cruises. Maybe you'd like to go to the, uh, a lake house. Carnival kiss my ass. Yeah. So hopefully for those that tuned in and made it this far, that is understanding equity, understanding the pros and cons of utilizing that equity of how you contribute to equity, that equity doesn't necessarily attribute, uh, uh, equate to profit. Those are two separate formulas, but equity is the money that is in your house 
that you may or may not have access to depending on your ability to qualify for financing. And for some of you, you have too much equity. You need to think about taking that equity and leveraging it into other vehicles. All right, give that shit to me. Give it to John Coleman. I, I, I'm going to get me some equity so I can take it all out and live well above my means and then go broke and then start the cycle all over again. I mean, if that's what you want to do, John, I don't know <laughs> if that's very advisable. No. Right. No, I just want to see if anybody listened this far, so you can comment in the comments about it. Yeah, but if but if you're sitting back and you're like, yeah, I own this home free and clear, mm -hmm. then you have to ask yourself, what is all of that money doing for you? Nothing. Nothing. It helps you live your lifestyle. It helps you sleep good at <clears throat> night. You love knowing that the only bills you have is a tax bill and a and a uh, homeowner's insurance bill. Mm -hmm. But what if you could take half of your home's equity, build a par three golf course? As long as you, that was going to make you money, oh. right? It's like, what are you going to do with that 250 grand? Spend it. Yeah. So then no. Okay. You, yeah. Yeah, you me, are yeah, in yeah. that boat where we're not going to touch your home's equity because that's your nest egg. Mm. We know that is your nest egg. But for other people, yeah. that 250 grand will be better used mm -hmm. somewhere else. Well said. All righty. Uh, my name is Dustin Owen. His name is John Coleman. You have just tuned in to an episode of The Loan Officer Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please share us. Please leave us a comment if you're on YouTube. If you want to hit me up, I am on LinkedIn. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode. Peace.